Happy Sabbath, church. Glad to see those who've come out today. Um, I know uh, there's others who wanted to be here but who could not. Um, <clears throat> again, I will uh, read and pray and, uh, and begin Galatians 5, 6 through 8. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from Him who calls you. Let's pray. God in heaven, we pray today, Lord, asking in a special way for a blessing from heaven, that you would speak to us today, each person who has come here, God, to worship you, to hear a word, uh, to fellowship with others. God, we, we pray for a blessing from heaven. Please guide me. May these be your words and not mine. May Christ be lifted up in all of His beauty and glory, um, Your Spirit present in Your words spoken. In Christ's name, Amen. Um, <clears throat> there have been few things uh, in my short life uh, that have been so per- pervasive in everyone's conversation as the recent uh, uh, virus outbreak uh, going on around the world. Uh, it was very similar, I remember, when uh, in 2001 we had the towers collapse. It was on everybody's mind uh, for days, for a long time. It's kind of similar, the kind of a- attention that this is getting. And so this has been something that's been building up for weeks, of course, starting overseas uh, and then slowly making its way across the globe to Europe and then to the United States. And uh, something that really got me a couple of weeks ago was um, when I I heard on the news that the Japanese had shut down all of their schools from uh, first all the way up to to, uh, college. They shut down schools across the entire nation. Now, what really gets me is that I lived in Japan, and uh, when they had that earthquake uh, on the eastern coast of Japan and and the nuclear meltdown, I remember just a couple of days afterwards, that happened very soon afterwards, I was uh, called to continue teaching my English classes. And we came and we had class while the ground was still shaking from aftershocks that were greater than some earthquakes people experience around the world. The light posts were shaking back and forth and kids were coming to class, these poor you know, junior high elementary kids with tears in their eyes, they were afraid. You know, but this is how resilient the Japanese people are. So when they shut down their schools, I, I, went, I told my wife, I said, look at, uh, can you check on NHK? It's a Japanese uh, news source. And they have it in English, by the way. So, um, of course, but she goes on to the Japanese NHK, and I can't really understand. She's explaining everything to me. She's like, yeah, they shut it down to the beginning of April. So then, as all of this stuff is happening... You noticed uh, these meetings that we're having in these two churches alone, you know, uh, health seminars and evangelistic meetings and uh, revelation. Uh, the call porters were supposed to come. So I, of course, as a pastor, I'm getting very anxious about all of this, you know, like what what is going to be the outcome? And so... Um, you know, there had there was a couple of times where I just was feeling kind of overwhelmed, you know, and, and a little anxious of trying to juggle and balance all these things. And so there were times where I had to just stop. And, you know, I would be in my car 
uh, at the library there in Paris, about to you know go in and and uh, work and sermons, homework, the meetings, a- emails, and stuff like that. And I would have to just stop. And I God was reminding me that there's some promises in the Bible that we need to cling to. Amen. With everything that is going on in our world today, and particularly uh, what was being shared with us earlier today in Psalm 91. Now, I'd like to invite all of you to turn to Psalm 91, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 here from the New King James Version. And it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Verse 3, Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Now, in the English language, a pestilence is a deadly epidemic disease. That's what the dictionary definition is of pestilence. Verse 4, He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings he shall, you shall take refu- refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Amen. Amen. The Bible is a relevant book. Amen? Today in the 21st century, in the time in which we live, in this digital technological age, the Bible has promises for us today. And, And you know, as I said, we sat down to read this a few times. I had to remind myself with everything that is going on, not only around the world, but also in ministry, in my personal life, the changes that have taken place, as you know, in recent months with our family, all of these different things. Uh, uh, responsibilities and stresses and and so on and so forth. But God is saying, don't forget these promises. Keep your focus on me. We have to keep our focus on our God. Amen? And regardless of when things are going well or when things are not going so well in the world or in our own personal little worlds, that... We can often get distracted. We can often forget. And this can often happen when things are going well in the world and in our lives too, can't it? But God wants us to keep our attention, our, our desires, our path upon our God. And so I share that with you today because this is very much the situation that is happening in Galatia as well. Paul, the great apostle of Jesus Christ, who saw him on the road to Damascus, whose life was changed by this vision that he had of Jesus Christ, who became the most ardent and and the most uh, fervent of all the apostles, is writing to the church in Galatia that he himself helped to raise up some short time before. 
This, uh, this region of Galatia is in what we call modern-day Turkey. It's in the western part of Turkey. Uh, there's a region there, an area or a province called Galatia. And Paul had established uh, a church in that area, possibly a, a couple of churches in that area. And so what is happening here is Paul has, has done evangelistic work there. Very difficult work there. Raised up a church in the name of Jesus Christ. Taught them that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and the Savior. Showed them from the scriptures uh, that this was true. Based on the word of God and revelations. Paul says in uh, Galatians chapter 2, revelations that God had given him. And so... He's there for a short time establishing this, uh, this body of believers and he moves on to continue his work. And so later on, Paul hears that the Galatians have gone off the rails. They have gone off track. And he has, he, as we read here in Galatia, we see that there was this issue with the Galatians where they had gone back to practicing the ceremonial laws, not just as a a, a matter of religion, but they believed that this was necessary for their salvation. Now, it's important to understand that what is happening here is that you remember back in Acts chapter 15, if some of you remember that, that meeting, that conference they had in Acts 15, there were some brethren who were saying that you have to be circumcised in order to be saved uh, even by Jesus Christ. So they have this meeting in Acts chapter 15 and they come to the conclusion that this was not necessary uh, to be saved. And so there was maybe some confusion or some uncertainty of whether just just apply to the Gentiles or this meant for the Gentiles and the Jews alike did not need to keep uh, the whole law. This, Of course, this is just among themselves. There must have been some uh, confusion or uncertainty. And so what's happening here is that there are what scholars call, Bible teachers call, Judaizing Christians. And so what has happened is they have gone out, these very staunch Judaizers, uh, who are Christians, who believe that the Gentiles should become part of God's inheritance. They should become a part of uh, the body of believers who are now saved and heirs. But they have gone out teaching many Gentiles that unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. After all, this was written in the Bible. This was something that God gave to Abraham. And so what has happened is that they have gone out to different areas and they've eventually made their way to Galatia. And they have convinced them that Jesus Christ, faith in Him, is not enough. So they have gone and they have, they have added this, this uh, practice of circumcision back into the equation. And so Paul is writing to the Galatians here and here we find in Galatians chapter 5 and, and uh, he's speaking very strongly to the Galatians. I, I don't know if any of you remember reading Galatians very recently or in the past. Paul uses some very strong words in Galatia, doesn't he? Galatians chapter 3, 
he even begins that chapter by saying, Oh, foolish Galatians. Strong stuff, isn't it? Imagine if I wrote y'all a letter and said, Oh, foolish Mount Pleasant Church. You know, somebody be calling the conference, you know? How dare you say, but this is the, the situation here is, is, is it's in a crisis mode. There's, Paul is he's almost in crisis mode. Does that sound familiar as to what's going on in our world today? It, there's a crisis happening in Galatia, in the spiritual crisis happening where they're being thrown off track. And uh, Paul is, is at, and, I, and as I go through here, I kind of I want to work backwards. I want to work with or talk about verse 8 and 7 and 6. He says here in verse 8, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Now, that word persuasion in the original language is uh, pesmone. It simply means uh, persuasion and can even mean treacherous or deceptive persuasion. Whoever had come into Galatia, Paul does not seem to know exactly who that is, at least by name or the specific group. He knows what they're teaching. But he says, whoever it is who's coming in there, they're using very strong, persuasive arguments. You know, these were not uh, uh, rookies who were coming into Galatia and saying, hey, I have something I want to teach you. No, they were, they were probably quite skilled with the word. And as they were coming in and they were making these strong, persuasive arguments, uh, they were treacherous and deceptive persuasions. They were dangerously convincing in their ability to get people off track from God. And Paul is saying, look, these people might have a good argument, but they're not from God. And we have to be very careful as Christians not to get thrown off track by the convincing arguments of people to lead us away from God or or the truths uh, as we know them, or the promises of God as, as, as they are given to us in the Word, to convince us to get off track from Jesus Christ. Now, I will go on to say this is not just, doesn't just happen by way of persuasion through arguments, but it can also happen by events that happen, right? By relationship issues, Right? You know, some uh, years ago when I had just come back from Japan, I was living uh, there in my last district, uh, pastoring uh, the Marshall District. I was uh, working part-time, half-time for the conference, so I was uh, looking for a second job to help uh, supplement my income. And um, I remember I went into a a GNC there in Marshall, and I was uh, trying to apply. It it was a difficult thing because I couldn't work in the evenings because I had prayer meetings at four different churches. And I couldn't work on Sabbath or Friday night. So this was uh, quite difficult. And so as I'd write out my, um, you know, resume, I would explain to people why I couldn't come. And I remember uh, I walked into a GNC. I had uh, frilled out my... um, my application, I was talking to a man, James, there. He uh, was also a Christian man, as I was explaining to him what I did, what my, my main job was, and, 
and he would open up and share to me that he was a Christian. And he actually shared an experience with me as we got to talking. There was nobody else in the store at the time. And he said he was sharing his own experience uh, with me. And he was talking about how he, his um, wife was a Christian. She'd listen to Christian radio stations when they were in the car and talked to him about God. It kind of irritated him a little bit because he didn't really want to hear it. But one day he um, he decided that he would start going to church. Uh, his, his wife must have been praying for him. And so he started going to church and this church that he was attending there, they were doing a mission trip. And so James, he had a little side job making uh, t-shirts he had a little uh, shop, if you will, in his garage, and he made T-shirts for a side job. And so he um, he decided that f- he would make shirts for the mission group that was going out from his church going overseas. And so free of charge, he wanted to do this as a gift to the missionaries. So he brought the box of T-shirts that he had made uh, for the missionaries to the pastor and uh, he was very excited. He was very happy to do this. He took the box of shirts to the pastor, and the pastor said, what is this? And he said, well, I, I just made these shirts for the missionaries. It's a free gift that I want to give. And he said, well, I didn't ask for that. And so James said, well, it's a gift. There's, it's no cost. And so the pastor said, well, I... I don't know what to do with that. Take it to someone else. And um, I don't have time for that, basically. Wow. This is somebody, a leader in the church, the pastor, you know, was just very rude. And so James uh, said that that was it, you know, and he was, a, he was just coming to church. So he decided that he, was, he wasn't going to go to that church anymore. But you see, God continued to work on his heart. And he decided, him and his wife, that they were not going to let this get them off track with God. And so he decided to attend another church in Longview. And so the rest of the conversation was this exciting new church that he had found in Longview that he was just so grateful to be a part of and everything that they were doing. And he was he actually, over time, got involved in this church. And, you know, he's praising and worshiping God uh, with his wife and with his fellowship of believers. And I was like, wow, what an encouraging testimony. This could have thrown him off and out of the church and away from God for the rest of his life. You know, the way the enemy works. And he didn't allow such a thing to happen. He, he kept going after God. As God continued to work on his heart, he said, I'm not letting this throw me off track with God. And he kept on track with God. And so church, you know, these things happen. It's not just teachings that can confuse and throw people off. It's things that happen in our lives with the people in our lives, with circumstances and situations that we don't foresee that as we're walking with Jesus and we're uh, trying to do right, that we get distracted or discouraged or beat down or, or something happens. And so this was happening with the Galatians, but it was happening through false teachers. Don't let the enemy influence us in persuasive ways to get us away from our Savior. Never allow the enemy of our souls to win over you, whether temporarily or for long periods of time. 
Don't let the enemy influence you away from God for any reason. Because he's very persuasive. And he can do things that just take, you know, the, that just really get to your soul sometimes. But don't allow it. Paul is reminding the church. And so as Paul is, he's telling the church, look, this is, these people are not from God. This persuasion is not from God. He reminds them in verse 7, you ran well who hindered you from obeying the truth. And that word in the original language, you ran well, who hindered you. Hindered is, it has the idea of somebody is running a race and somebody has come while you're just about to get to the finish line and somebody comes and cuts you off. You know, somebody's cutting you off. And so Paul is telling them, look, don't forget how you started this race. Don't, don't forget how you started. Don't forget what you were taught. Uh, when I came around some time ago, don't forget how you started in the Spirit, how you started with, with this vision of Christ being lifted up. Don't forget those things. And so if they ran well, if they started well, there's, there's a, a great chance and opportunity that they can continue and they can get back on track with God. We want to remember the good times with God And be careful not to let other people or other things block those positive experiences that we have with God. Don't forget those things. And you know, I am convinced that there are a lot of people today, there's a lot of Christians today, who are feeble in their faith, or they're feeble in, the, in their relationships, or uh, there's confusion, or uh, maybe even like the panic that is happening today, that Christians are not where we should be because we forget the promises of God, don't we? Yeah. Just like we read in Psalm 91. We forget the promises of God. And those are the things that get us through the difficult times. Very briefly, I, I will share with you, I remember when God was calling me into ministry, I didn't understand that that's what God was doing at the time. Uh, I was just started going to school to get my basics at, uh, in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, Donna Anna Branch Community College. It was a branch of New Mexico State. And um, I, I, was, I was getting my basics, but my, my goal ultimately was to uh, go into business and, and economics. And so I started, just started taking classes uh, in this field, and very exciting. I think I'd only been doing it for one semester. And so God was really impressing me. Um, I don't have time to share all that happened, but God was really impressing me that this was not the path that he wanted me to take. That God wanted me to do something else. I didn't know what it was exactly at the time. But I remember that this impression was so strong that I one afternoon I had to go to the college uh, administration and drop out of my classes. And um, so without talking to my parents or anyone else, it was just a lot of prayer, a lot of talking to God, a lot of reading scriptures. Uh, I decided to drop out of my classes. And I remember there was one passage in the book of Hebrews that I knew that was for me at that moment. It was Hebrews chapter 11. And 
verse 8. Hebrews 11, verse 8. I'll just read it. You can turn there if you want to. If you uh, don't, that's all right. It says, Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him as of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has a foundation whose maker, whose builder and maker is God. And so I literally was quoting these verses as I was going to the administrative building because it was difficult to put one foot in front of the other. I knew I had the strong conviction that I couldn't explain to anybody else that God had a different direction that He wanted me to go in. And so I was just quoting it after a couple of days. My mother was like, uh, Son, I've noticed that you haven't been going to classes. You know, I was still going to work. I, had a, I was working at the same time. I had a job at Sutherland's. Uh, and so she's like, I noticed you. So I sat down and I told her. She was like, I... She didn't understand. It was, it was, you know, who would, what mother would, you know. She thought I was just dropping out of school. But I remember quoting these verses all the way through that trial. And eventually God opened doors and helped me to realize through other people and through His Word that He was calling me into ministry. And so eventually a recruiter came all the way out to our area there, uh, just south of El Paso, which is very close to Las Cruces. And so God began opening doors. And, and uh, by the way, I was the only one who came to Southwestern as a result of that recruiter coming. You know, wonder, hmm, uh, I think God was working there. And so, um, so I was quoting these promises all the way. And church, that's what we have to do. We have to know what does God's words say about this situation? What does God's words uh, say to me in what is happening in my life and around the world. And as a matter of fact, that's what Paul is trying to do. He's trying to remind the Galatians that it is not through your efforts, your human efforts, that you obtain the inheritance that God promises, but it is through the promises that God gave to Abraham and to all the prophets. As a matter of fact, you don't have to turn there, but Galatians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, "And, And this I say that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 21, uh, Paul says, is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Verse 22, but the scripture has combined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And so on and so forth. Verse 29 and chapter 4 and verse 28, he says the same thing. You see, the problem was that circumcision was an outward religious ceremony. Yes, it was given by God, and it had a a certain purpose and meaning for a certain period of time. And then later, Jesus replaced it with baptism, and that is very important. 
But you see, circumcision, this outward act, did not deal with the issues of pride and selfishness that is in the human heart. Uh, An outward ceremony cannot deal with that issue. We need something greater than what our hands can do to deal with the pride and the, the selfishness that is in existence in the human heart. We need something far greater than circumcision. We need something far greater than we can do. We need the power of God that only He can do through Jesus Christ to deal with the issue of the heart. Only God can do that. And there's nothing in and of ourselves that can actually transform the human heart. Now that is not to say that we are to live as we want to live through the flesh or the desires of the flesh or our own will or the influences of the world. Paul makes that very clear in other places in Galatians. This is not freedom to uh, revel in sin. He makes that very clear elsewhere. But he makes the strong point that in order to deal with the human heart, you must have the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the only thing. And so what Paul is trying to do here is he's trying to get the focus of the Galatians off of their false teachers, off of of what they're teaching. He's trying to get it off of themselves. And he's, he's, he's... Even at times, he's trying to get their attention off of Paul himself, and and he's trying to get their attention back onto Jesus Christ because they had lost their focus on him. Some time ago at our our pastor's uh, workers' meeting in January, um, Elder Watkins, he is the president of the Southwestern Regional Conference. He came to speak to us uh, in in January, and he shared uh, a testimony of something that happened to him while he was doing mission work uh, in one of the islands. I, I can't remember at this time which one. I think it was a, one of the Caribbean islands, and um, he had gone there earlier in his ministry to do some uh, preaching and evangelistic series. And so God blessed, and a few churches were planted. Many people were baptized. And so he left, came back to the States, and went back again to do some follow-up work in one of these islands. And so Elder Watkins, he recalls that he got off the plane, and he was uh, walking out of the airport, and there's all these taxi drivers. They were coming up, you know, trying to, they're reaching for his bag. Come get into my taxi, you know, because they're trying to make a dollar. And they're pretty aggressive. So I used to tell them, no, I, somebody's coming to pick me up. So there's all these taxi drivers kind of surrounding him and some of the other people getting off of, uh, coming out of the airport. And then he said there's this one taxi driver who drove up. And when he got out of the car, there was this large, um, a very uh, um, intimidating driver, taxi driver, got out of the car and he comes around and he said it was like when Moses parted the waters, the taxi drivers just split. And this, this taxi driver, this big taxi driver came right through the middle of them all, came up, grabbed his bag, and he said, get in my taxi. And he says, when a man that big tells you to do something, you kind of just do it. <laughs> So he gets into the, he kind of is assuming that maybe this is his ride, but he's not sure. 
So he gets into the taxi and they start driving. Now, Elder Watkins knew where he was supposed to be going. It was about a 45-minute drive or so from the airport. And so after about an hour, hour and a half, they're still driving. And he says, something is not right here. And they haven't had much conversation at all. So finally, the man, taxi driver, this big man says, I know who you are. And he says, um, I know you're the Seventh-day Adventist preacher, and I don't like you. And I don't like Christians. You come over here, and you talk, and you preach, and you do all these things, and you think you know everything. Try to change our way of life, and change our families, and I, I just want to let you know I don't like you. And so now Elder Watkins is getting quite worried. Because this man is driving outside of civilization. He's going toward the, where the woods are at, and there's not a lot of city. And so he's, uh, so Elder Watkins is you know, trying to have a conversation. Well, what's the deal, and how do you know me, and, and what is the issue? And the driver says, you came and did a meetings, and my wife went to your meetings, and she got baptized at your meetings. And now she wants to start giving some of our money to the church. And now she wants to make all these changes and do all these other things. And so Elder Watkins is like, "Uh uh-oh, this guy is not happy because he just messed with his marriage. So they keep on driving and eventually they get to, they go through the woods and they come to the beach. And so the man stops the car and Here's the beach on one side of the car, and then there's the woods on the other side. And Elder Watson comes to the conclusion, this is it. And he said in the moment he was worried, he was anxious, and this anxiety has been building up uh, for the past hour and a half, two hours. And, and he's thinking about all these other things maybe he should have done. And his mind is, what about my family? And, and this big man is going to kill me here out in the middle of nowhere. And he's going to dump my body in the ocean. That's why we're here. And so his mind is racing with all these different things. And so the man gets out of the car, the taxi driver. He comes around to Elder Watkins. He opens the door and he says, get out. And Elder Watkins says, Why? So he says, get out of the car. And so it's like, why? Why do you want me to get out of the car? And so then the man says, this taxi driver says, I was just testing you. I have heard everything that you told my wife. She's been telling me about all this stuff from the Bible, about God and Jesus and what you all believe, and I want to be baptized. And that's why we're here at the beach, and I want you to baptize me right now. And so Elder Watkins says he jumped out of the taxi and he's never taken the shoes off of his feet so quick. And so they got into the water and he baptized this, this large man and he said, what an amazing experience that was. But all this fear and anxiety and he was, he, you know, all, of course under those circumstances, who wouldn't? But if I had just kept it, my focus on God at that time, that could have been a much different experience for me. And if I would have kept a calm, level head and remembered that my Savior, my life is in my Savior's hands. He is the one who's going to protect me. He is the one who's going to guide me and lead me and take care of this whole situation. It could have been a much different experience. Church, we need to keep our focus on our Savior. Amen? We can't get distracted with all these other things regardless of what we believe about what's happening in the world around us or what's happening in our own lives, 
We must keep our eyes on our Savior. And Paul is trying to tell the Galatians that it's not circumcision, it's not these other things. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Today, I want to encourage us, despite what's happening in the world around us, take the hand of Jesus. Remember the promises that he's given and let that flow out of your life into the lives of other people. And it will make a difference. You never know. God might surprise you with somebody who says, I've been watching you. I know what you believe. I know what you teach. And I know this Jesus whom you have been following. And I want to follow him too. And may that be what happens in this church. In the months and the years to come, I pray that that's how God uses us. May God bless you and happy Sabbath. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for uh, this passage in Galatians that speaks to us today. Thank you for the book of Psalms and Hebrews. Thank you for your word, God, and all the hope and the promises that we have there and the wonderful, beautiful picture of our Savior. God, we ask that your blessing would be upon each one today as we go out. Uh, Please send us with your blessing and also empower us Uh, Guide us, Lord, and use us uh, to direct others to him who has called us. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.